women on the wing. And he got one man down just being him. He wearing Gucci, so he Gucci. He got to know me all drinking Duce. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Fluid Football Podcast. I hope you're all doing well. I'm your co-host, Jacob. I'm here with Avi. Avi, tell me, how are you? I'm doing great. I just got a haircut yesterday, courtesy of my uh, sister. So uh, it was nice to finally get a haircut. I hadn't got a haircut since February. So I saw the, bef- the before and after pictures. Yeah. Remarkable difference there. Yeah. yeah well <laughs> done, was, well done. I was the police. I think uh, they, they would not be able to recognize me. So. <laughs> well done, mate. So, uh, look, football fans, we have good news. Uh, you know, after two months without football, it's time for us all to rejoice. The Bundesliga is returning. Germany is the first major country to announce the return of football. Uh, we saw the Eredivisie in the Netherlands and the Ligue 1 in France be canceled, while the Premier League, Serie A, La Liga are still aiming to return in June. But the Bundesliga is officially coming back. Saturday, May 16th, is going to be the first set of matches, kicking off with Borussia Dortmund versus Schalke, which will be a great way to start things. Uh, if you want to access it in the United States, it'll be aired on Fox, so FS1, FS2, FS Deportes. Uh, and if you're in the UK, all matches can be found on BT Sport. And there are going to be a ton of matches over the next couple of months. So if you're worried it's too late, I'm going to tell you now, it's not too late to invest yourself in the season. And we're going to tell you why. But before we get into that, let's catch up on the current Bundesliga season. Uh, something relatively unique about the league this season, especially compared to the Premier League, is the title race that we see going on. Historically, and particularly over the past decade or so, Bayern Munich have dominated the league. They have won far and away the most Bundesliga titles, and they're looking to make it eight consecutive Bundesliga trophies. They currently sit at the top of the table on 55 points, followed closely by Dortmund, RB Leipzig, Borussia Mönchengladbach, and Bayer Leverkusen, we're all within eight points but you know this season we don't only see Dortmund as a challenger we see we see several others so it's going to be very fun to watch Abby. Yeah and uh, what was interesting about this season is um, the start of it you know both um, Bayern Munich and Dortmund you know traditionally the two best teams in the league they really they really started slow um, it, was, it was Gladbach who had the early um, you know lead they were in first for a, a good portion of the season there but um, like you said, it's, it's very congested at the top, and um, it's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out. I mean, Munich have, have um, gotten back to that top spot, so I don't think it's going to be very difficult for anyone to knock them off because how experienced they are. But, um, you know, every single team in that top five um, have shown themselves capable of, uh, you know, of beating the top teams. And I think the, the thing about the Bundesliga is it's, it's such an exciting league. Um, you know, they uh, – they, the goals per game for the Bundesliga are the top out of Europe's um, top five leagues. In 2018 and 2019, you know, they averaged 3.18 goals per game. And no other league had more than um, 2.82. So I think it just kind of shows you the unpredictability of the, of the Bundesliga. And, um, you know, just another reason why you should uh, watch it and be invested. Yeah, I mean, those German sides tend to have high-scoring matches. I remember even it was the, the German Cup, the DFB, Pokal. I remember we were talking about Dortmund versus Leverkusen and it ended, I think, 4-3. And it was just such an exciting game, back and forth. Screamers on screamers on screamers. Uh, Very fun to watch. Um, 
And, and on the point that you make about Bayern, look, for the past couple seasons, people, people say, oh, you know, this is the season. They're not going to do it. You know, somebody's going to knock them off. But they've made their way back to the top. Depending on, on the schedule and how the Bundesliga decides to structure things moving forward, I could see Bayern dropping matches, and it's really going to be on those other top sides, you know, essentially remaining flawless if, if possible, if they want to take that top spot. Yeah, and um, I, I honestly, I, I hope, you know, Bayern doesn't win just for the sake of changing things up. Um, but I think it's hard to see them you know, losing that top spot just because, you know, they've been there. They won seven consecutive Bundesliga titles. So I think, you know, for them to start as poorly as they did and then come back, um, you know, I think it's going to be very difficult for um, anyone to knock it off. But like you said, there is an added layer of, you know, unpredictability here because, um, you know, the fixture schedule is going to be a little more congested probably. And uh, it's just going to be weird, you know, playing without any fans. I think it's going to be a completely new experience for most clubs. Um, so that adds a little bit of uncertainty there. but. I think it's Byron's title race to lose at this point, unfortunately. Uh, you know, that's very fair. I think, you know, even if Bayern do win the title, we have a very exciting race in terms of simply the race for European competition. Uh, you know, you have the top four spots, the top four teams in the table qualify for the Champions League, uh, which, as we mentioned, is a very tight race. There's five teams up there, only four spots. One of them will not qualify, so that will be you know, very intense, uh, you know, seeing that play out. And then also for the Europa League, uh, those spots will be very interesting to, to keep track of. So the teams who finish fifth or sixth, fifth and sixth, excuse me, will qualify. So one of those five. And then the, the race for sixth is, is possibly even tighter. Schalke are currently sixth, but five other teams are within seven points, uh, including uh, Wolfsburg and Hoffenheim, who are, are two of the bigger names there. Yeah, and um, a lot of those clubs, you know, the top five, you know, clubs have kind of separated themselves from the rest of the pack. Um, but you, know, the rest of the pack are are so, um, you know, tightly congested there that it's 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 very difficult to pick out, um, you know, any team. And I think a lot of these teams are similar. You know, a lot of them have you know good young talent, and um, you know, it's just going to be really interesting to see, um, you know, how this plays out here. Um, yeah. Well, the, the relegation battle is going to be neat as well, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, Dusseldorf is in the um, 16th spot and they're, and they're four points behind Mines, who are in 15th. Um, you know, that, that relegation battles are always interesting. Uh, you know, another lo- layer of um, that, that's different in the Bundesliga is uh, in the, the third to last spot doesn't automatically get relegated. Um, you know, they get, they, they get put into a, a relegation playoff, so they play – the third place team in the Bundesliga two, which actually, you know, I think it's a, that's a great idea. And I, I think it's something that, um, you know, the Premier League should adopt because, you know, it just adds another layer of excitement, another, another chance for the, the, the team, um, you know, who's third to last to redeem themselves. And, you know, we saw some really interesting games. Um, Hamburg, they recently got relegated, but a couple of years ago, they were in this playoff and, you know, had an amazing comeback to win. And I think that just gives them, um, so it's a little more fair, I feel like, to, to give that uh, that team who's about to get relegated really a chance to uh, prove themselves against a team that will be replacing them. Um, so, so yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a uh, really interesting twist there, and I'd like to see the the rest of the top five leagues adopt it. Yeah, that's very true. I remember Professor Samansky on the on the the last episode of the pod mentioned that in the championship, 
the uh, the the playoff final to be promoted to the Premier League is worth around 150 million pounds or, or dollars, uh, and and you know those matches. It's just an added layer of of importance and significance for these teams being able to jump up to the top flight uh, and, and getting all of these incredible deals, opening up their their transfer capabilities, uh, and and it's really cool. I think how the Bundesliga. I mean, essentially eliminates the, the, the battle between two second division sides. And it's kind of saying to the, the team in 16th, in third to last, you have one more chance. Uh, you, you didn't have a great season, but you know, we're giving you one more chance. So I think it's really cool. And, and it would be neat to see you know, Bournemouth playing against Hull City or something like that uh, for, for in England. Yeah, and I, I, I actually don't really like the promotion playoff I mean, yeah, it's always great entertainment, but you know, it makes more sense to do it the way Germany does it because you know, usually that third place team in the championship, you know, they they've deserved, you know, I feel like they deserve to, to earn promotion at that point. Um, you know, I don't think they there's there's usually a sizable gap between third place and sixth place. Um and I think it just makes more sense and I think it it'd be a more exciting game to see that um, you know, that two leg affair between the Premier League and the championship side. Rather than you know, you know, you got the four teams in the championship, you know, playing this to um, to get into Wembley. Um, I think that would be really interesting, and and I think it would, um, yeah, just I think people love cup games and uh, you know elimination games, knockout games. And that's just another way to to bring another game like that uh, into the fold. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm I'm definitely I mean, with all this spare time with no other sports going on forgetting the fact that it's a really cool initiative in itself. I'm definitely going to be paying attention and keeping an eye on all of that. Uh, I want to talk about you know, a different battle we have going on, a different race, if you will. And that is the race for the golden boot for the top scorer in the Bundesliga. Uh, and we have a, a closer race than it might seem going on at the moment. Yeah, uh, you have uh, obviously Lewandowski is at the, the top, you know, per usual, uh, you know, with 25 goals. He ages like fine wine, it seems like, you know, every single year. He just he expects him to drop off, but he, he just doesn't. And he, he's incredibly durable as well. You know, you don't see, like, he doesn't have a ton of injury problems, you know, knock on wood. Um, but, you know, this year, it's, it's basically a two-horse race between him and um, Timo Werner. Timo Werner has 21 goals. Um, and, you know, Leipzig are an exciting team. But... Once again, I think Lewandowski is just going to lock this up just because, you know, Munich are just, um, you know, superior team uh, who create just far more chances. Um, you know, I think the more interesting battle would, would be the assist battle. I think you have, uh, you know, Thomas Muller there with 16 assists. You know, his renaissance has been really interesting this season because you know, he's moved more into the central role. Uh, you know, he's not no longer um, a winger because, I mean, he just doesn't have the pace anymore. And, uh, you know, Byron have options with, you know, Serge Nabry or, um, you know, Kingsley Coman on the, on the outside. But, you know, what he brings to the table is that vision, that passing. And I think it's been really interesting to see him moving that creative role, uh, like, like a number 10 role. And he's really thrived in it. And, it's, and I think it's provided a path for him to, you know, for that second part of his career, which is, I think, a hard transition for a lot of players who, you know, were on the wing. You know, they, they oftentimes um, struggle without, you know, that physical – um, those physical gifts, but right behind Mueller is um, Jaden Sancho with 15 assists, you know, 
Um, you know, he just keeps racking up assists. And I think it's, it's easy to overlook that. Um, it's, it's quite incredible, I think, you know, at 21 years old to, to be, you know, second in assists and, and third in goals. Um, you know, I think, you know, sometimes I question Sancho just because he plays in the Bundesliga. And, but, you know, you look at his stats and, and it's undeniable why almost every big club in the world wants him. It's incredible. Such a young age, 20 years old, and, and he's absolutely making the league his own. If he can keep up this level of production, and it, it's looking like it's going to be in England next year, but if he can keep up, you know, this production, he will be something else. He will absolutely, you know, put in a shout for best young player in the world over Mbappe, in my opinion. If, again, not right now, if he can do this for, for a few seasons, if he can, you know, score and assist at this rate. But it's absolutely incredible. He has the most goal contributions in the Bundesliga, right? 14 goals, 15 assists. Uh, You know, Lewandowski and Werner both on 28 uh, total goal contributions. Look, just, just keep an eye on the kid. Uh, He probably won't be there next year, but let's, let's enjoy him and enjoy the season while we can. Uh, And, you know, the point you make about Lewandowski, I, I, I do agree with you. I don't see him losing out. Timo Werner can absolutely bag a hat trick or two in the next few weeks, and all of a sudden it's a, a really tight race again. But I mean, Lewandowski's averaging a goal every 80, 82 minutes. Uh, he's scoring more than once per, per you know per game essentially. Uh, he's been the top scorer in the Bundesliga in four out of the last six seasons. Aubameyang was his only real competition over the last few years, and obviously he's at Arsenal now. It's it's his to lose, similar to to, to Bayern. Uh, in the league and one player that's that's not necessarily up at the top of the charts in terms of goals scored but one that I you know would 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 guarantee scores the most goals for the rest of the season is none other than Erling Holland, who has nine goals in only eight Bundesliga appearances averaging a goal every 57 minutes that is absurd absurd yeah I mean he he has the he's the most goal finisher in the world at, at this rate right now um, you know, whether that remains to be seen, you know, we'll see. Um, you know, I think it's, it's, you know, you can say he's clinical. Uh, you can say maybe he's lucky. Um, but I, I, I think, you know, he'll probably come back down to earth, you know, in terms of his goal scoring rate. But, you know, he does create, um, you know, a ton of chances per game. So I think he's going to be, be up there as, you know, an elite goal scorer for, for seasons to come. Um, and, and I think it's going to be interesting to see how he returns after his absence. I, I, I don't know how this is um, – how anyone's going to play. I think we're going to see a lot of rusty play, to be honest, in these first couple of matches, just because, uh, you know, nobody's been able to really train um, except for maybe individual work. So I think it's, it's, it could be a, a rusty start for the Bundesliga, but I think that could make for more exciting games. You know, I think you might see a higher scoreline just because, you know, the defense makes more mistakes or, you know, people are just, you know, not ready for the games. Um, yeah. I think Holland, uh, you know, you talked about them extensively, but, uh, you know, he's, he's, uh, I would be surprised if he was not in the top three of, of the, of the goal scoring charts by the end of the season. Yeah, I, I hear you. It's, it's almost like it's the start of a new season. Uh, it's been over well over a month since the players last trained together. And like you said, there's a good chance that the players are rusty, at least collectively, uh, you know, communication might be a bit off between defenders. It would be very enjoyable for the fans, especially the fact that we've been, you know, not able to watch sports for a while, it'll be nice to see some high-scoring games, potentially. There's also a chance that players come out of this refreshed, 
getting a sort of break that you know you're typically not able to during the season given that it's so jam-packed but that I mean that'll quickly catch up with them just because of how the schedule may end up playing out either way uh things are going to be very exciting yeah I think it's going to be interesting to see um now, like you said, that break will, will probably help a lot of people get back to fitness. Um, and I think, I'm not sure if the Bundesliga does this, but I know the Premier League has talked about, you know, having a winter break. And um, I, think, I think they do have one this year, but uh, they, they did have one this year. And I think Liverpool had a little controversy with that. But I think the winter break is really important because, you know, the fixture schedule is just, just outrageous. And, um, you know, I think we need to really focus on, you know, quality of games rather than quantity because, like you saw with Liverpool, they had to, um, you know, they, they had to skip games basically because their World Club World Cup competition interfered with the Carabao Cup. And I think, you know, England could really do away with the Carabao Cup. Um, you know, I think the FA Cup is a great competition. I don't think there needs to be a, a separate competition. <laughs> um, and I think, you know, there's too many of these tournaments, like, you know, the Club World Cup, you know, you have the UEFA Super Cup. I think a lot of these are meaningless and, I know they're huge cash cows and that's why, you know, UEFA and FIFA loves them, but you know, it's, it's really putting a burden on players. And uh, you know, I think at the the end of the season and especially through that Christmas period, there's so many games there that injuries are just inevitable. And and I think, especially when you just start to lose players, um, you know, just due to injuries, then then you, the games become less interesting because you don't have the best players uh, there necessarily. So I think that's just something in general, you know, UEFA needs to look at to reduce fixture congestion, but um, I'm not sure that's going to happen just because of the finances involved. Agreed. I mean, teams are starting to slowly identify their priorities. You see some of the top Premier League clubs sending their youth teams, essentially, to these cup matches, these cup ties, and it, it kind of loses the meaning. Yeah. So so there, there could be changes moving forward, depending on, on schedules and, and, you know, how managers and players are all feeling and, and how they act on those feelings. Yeah. I mean, Klopp uh, is a, a big, you know, he's a big proponent of this. I mean, he's very angry about, you know, the amount of fixtures that Liverpool have to play. Um, so yeah, just something to watch for. And I think the right thing to do would, would be, you know, to, to lessen the amount of games being played, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. Now, before we move forward, uh, I want to talk a bit about, I, I think we should talk about a rule that exists in the Bundesliga that, that makes it very unique among other top European leagues. Uh, this is specific to the ownership of these clubs, and it's called the 50 plus one rule. Now, Avi, are you able to, you want to explain the 50 plus one rule? Yeah, sure. So basically, um, you know, corporate interest or um, you know, anyone except for the fans cannot own, uh, you know, more than 49% of a club, basically, or more, a majority in the club. So basically more than 50%. Um, so that basically allows, you know, fan groups um, to have the majority of control. Um, and I think, you know, this has been really important because uh, it allows, you know, supporters to stay connected to their clubs. You know, they don't feel like there's accountability there, right? Because, you know, the supporters, you know, usually elect the board. Um, and you know, when, when the supporters are, are in control of the club, um, you know, I think it becomes, you don't, you don't see the, the, the plastic claims like you see with Man City. And, and I think part of the controversy, um, there are a couple of teams who have kind of, you know, flouted those rules in the Bundesliga. 
um, specifically one uh, RB Leipzig, you know, technically it's Rosenball Sport Leipzig, but basically it's, it's Red Bull Leipzig. Um, you know, Red Bull just bought this team who were, I think, fifth division in Germany, and they just, you know, just flooded it with cash. And, you know, they, they've done a great job, you know, bringing them up. But, you know, part of the problem, um, you know, people have is, you know, the majority of supporters, uh, they've, they've increased the membership fee. So I think it's like $1,000 to, to become a, a full-time member that can vote, which is, you know, ex exorbitant. So basically, the only people who are members are people who are connected in some way to, uh, to Red Bull, which is a, is a huge conflict of interest and just kind of really degrades the, the, um, the idea of the original rule, which is why, you know, Leipzig are, you know, the most hated club in Germany, basically. Um, but, you know, 50 plus one rule is, um, you know, I, th I think it's really interesting. And, um, you know, it, unlike the Premier League where you have, you know, like a Saudi Arabia potentially buying Newcastle or you have, you know, Dubai or United Arab Emirates, um, you know, in control of, of Man City, you know, is really about the club. It's about, the, you know, the local population, which is, you know, how it should be, um, frankly, because, you know, the club is, is a community effort. Yeah, absolutely. Another example that we saw this season that, that really made headlines was uh, Hoffenheim, who, who have this guy, this billionaire named Dietmar Hopp, I think. And I mean, he, he's another exception to this 50 plus one rule. He owns the vast majority of Hoffenheim. And in a match where Hoffenheim played against Bayern, uh, a, a lot of fans started throwing items onto the pitch, protesting, criticizing this billionaire who's in charge of the club. And the match, the players actually stopped playing and just passed the ball around for the last 15, 20 minutes. And that was a really cool uh, you know, act on behalf of the players. It's just showing that they essentially they're saying, you know, I mean, they're saying stop protesting. This is how things are. Um, but that was very interesting to see. I've never seen anything like that. Yeah, that was a little bit bizarre. I mean, uh, I, I'm not sure I agree with the players there to, to kind of tell the, the, the fans to stop protesting. I, mean, I think they have a right to protest. And I, I honestly think they were in the right there. You know, maybe they were a little vulgar in how they protested. But, um, you know, there's a reason that, you know, fans are, are in Germany are so... Um, you know, passionate about this because uh, if you have, you know, you know, overly corporate um, influence on the game, I think you start to see things where, uh, you know, where it's just basically all about the money, uh, you know, where you have TV time, you know, in, in the Premier League, a big complaint is, uh, you know, away games being on Monday nights, you know, for Newcastle fans traveling down to, you know, somewhere like Southampton on a Monday night, uh, you know, that's like a, you know, eight hour train ride or whatever. And it's just, it's just not, you know, the fans are just not taken into account there. And it's just basically all about the TV money and, and stuff like that. And that's why, you know, you know, Germany, Germany's fans are so passionate about this because it gives them, you know, an extra, um, you know, bit of leverage that, that you don't see in, in uh, other parts of Europe um, when it comes to ownership. Absolutely. Uh, now, like you're saying, this kind of increases, you know, fan it's increased attendance, essentially. The average attendance in the Bundesliga is, is higher than any other major league in Europe. But I want to I defend the argument to abolish the 50 plus one rule. I don't necessarily believe in it, but a lot of people are concerned that this rule prevents, prevents these individuals from flooding the clubs with cash, which doesn't let them compete in the transfer market. 
you know, you have clubs from other countries bidding far higher uh, than, you know, much larger amounts than these German teams, which in turn might prevent them from seeing success in European competition. But that's, that, that's you know, that's just in defense of abolishing the rule, um, which, which yeah. is kind of interesting. And, you know, maybe they're not able to invest as much, um, you know, as other clubs, but um, I think the key for, for the fans is, um, you know, if, if, if you're investing all that money, someone's going to have to pay for it. So that means ticket prices go up. Um, you know, that, that means, you know, your, your club might go into debt. And, and I think, you know, just because you spend a lot on the transfer market doesn't always transfer to success. And I, I think what's really you know, interesting about Germany is, you know, it's, it's such a, you know, the fans are such an integral part of the, the club that, you know, the attendance is so high. Um, you know, I think most of these teams are, you know, they're doing well, you know, pretty well financially. I know uh, Dr. Szymanski said it doesn't really matter, but, um, you know, compared to, you know, they're not re necessarily reliant on an individual or a group of individuals to fund their club, which I think is, it's kind of cool because, you know, it is more of a community thing. And, um, you know, like I said, you know, football clubs are, are all about community. Um, and I think for fa most fans, except for maybe, you know, Bayern fans, it's, it's not about, you know, European competition. You know, I think that's, that's obviously great. You know, I think all fans would love to be in the Champions League, but, you know, for them, it's, you know, we want to be able to f afford the ticket prices. You know, you, we want to be able to, um, you know, have some accountability and have some say in our, in how our football club, club is running. But I think mm -hmm. that that's the main reason why, you know, German fans are so defensive of the, the rule. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let's keep going. Let's talk U S men's national team here. I mean, uh, the Christian Pulisic brought a lot of attention to the Bundesliga, uh, you know, over the last couple seasons, this kid from Hershey, Pennsylvania, making waves, scoring goals, racking up assists, making an impact in, in Borussia Dortmund. Uh, but, but nowadays, you know, th there's a handful of players from the United States that are, that are succeeding in the Bundesliga. Yeah. I mean, last time I checked, it said, uh, you know, 10 players in the Bundesliga, two more in Bundesliga two. Um, you know, just an incredible collection of talent from the, from the U S side of things in, in your young talent. Right. Um, and I think what's great about um, Germany, you know, for these American players is, you know, style of play is, is somewhat similar to, you know, American style of play, you know, it's very physical, um, you know, but at the same time, you know, it is a step up from, you know, the MLS or any other leagues in the U S. Um, so, so I think, you know, Germany has been, a, is a great breeding ground for this young talent because, you know, German, you know, Bundesliga gives, gives chances to young players. Unlike, you know, you know, some other leagues where, you know, you know, youngsters aren't necessarily given that chance, you know, like in Italy or something like that. So I think mm -hmm. that's why part of the reason, you know, so many talented young, um, you know, Americans have gone to Germany and, you know, Pulisic, like you said, kind of laid the groundwork for that. And now you just see a whole flood of players coming over. You know, you have Gio Reyna at Dortmund. He's 17 years old. You know, apparently he's supposed to be better than Pulisic. Um, you know, you have Josh Sargent at, at Werder Bremen, the young striker there, Tyler Adams at Leipzig. Um, you know, you have Weston McKennie at Schalke. You know, th there's a whole lot of players, you know, um, that, that are, you know, very talented. But I think the U.S., if they want to, you know, their aspirations, you know, some people say, you know, we want to win the World Cup or, you know, let's, how about let's get to the quarterfinals first. But, um, you know, if for any of that to happen, you know, these, people, these talents have to take that next step. And I don't think there's, a, there's another, there's not a better place to do that than the Bundesliga because they get so many 
opportunities for playing time. Well, hey, that uh, American resurgence starts with John Brooks, hero of 2014, <laughs> Wolfsburg I, I, center back. I love John Brooks. I mean, I think he's our best center back. And, um, you know, I think he's 25 years old. But that's um, yeah, just another player who's getting consistent min- minutes. And I don't think that would necessarily be the case in, in the Premier League. Yeah. I mean, and, and you bring up Gio Reyna. He scored his, his first goal for Dortmund in a, the DFB Pokal, in a, you know, a knockout match a tournament and it was an absolute worldy he beat three men on the dribble and and curled the ball into the top corner gorgeous finish but you know he's just one of many young players in the Bundesliga who the world is watching and, and top clubs are are keeping an eye on and and Reina's not alone at Dortmund we we you know we could talk forever about Holland and Sancho but I mean these are just a few of, of the young players at Dortmund who are who are, who are doing something special um, and, and we'll talk more about, about Borussia Dortmund in a bit, but those are just a, a few young players that are, that are, you know, achieving at the highest level in the Bundesliga. Yeah, I mean, like you said, you know, Dortmund have a, have a whole host of players. You know, they're really a talent factory, but anywhere you look around Bundesliga, I mean, you have Kai Havertz at Leverkusen, you have, um, you know, Marcus Thuram at Gladbach, you have Xerxes, Joshua Xerxes at Bayern Munich. Um, you know, you, could, you can go to any Bundesliga team and, you can find a under 20 player who's probably being linked with, you know, Real Madrid or, or one of the, the top super clubs in the world. So, um, you know, Bundesliga is a great league to watch, you know, if you're, if you're looking for young talent and, you know, like I said, it's, you know, these youngsters actually get a chance to play, um, you know, because I, like you said, the Bundesliga is, it's not the richest club or richest league in the world. Um, so I think it forces, forces them to, you know, be a little more creative with, you know, how they get their talent on the field and, um, you know, they have to look at their academies more probably than, than other teams, you know, in the Premier League or La Liga, maybe. Yeah, I mean, you, you pretty much nailed my list of young players. I also had Alfonso Davies, Leon Bailey, and then that entire RB Leipzig defense, Upamecano, Konate, <laughs> Mukiele, who are all French, by the way. So you're, you're very possibly looking at the future French back line that is going to be so powerful, so pacey, uh, you know, solid passers. Uh, yeah, very, very cool. What's going on there? Yeah, Konate is just a cheat code in FIFA. Also, I mean, he has like <laughs> eighty something pace. You know, he's he's only seventy nine, so he's a great steal on there. But yeah, I mean, Leipzig's talent is, is just ridiculous. I mean, the, the you know whatever you want to say about Leipzig, you know, they've done it right uh, from the football side of things. You know, they have you know an incredible collection of talent, both at you know Leipzig and Salzburg. Um, but and uh, you know they're they're making a profit on these players because, you know, the scouting department's so incredible. They find these guys, they, they either get them through their academy or they just pick them up for pennies on the dollar, you know, maybe, maybe a hundred thousand to a million, but then they resell them for, you know, we're talking maybe 20 to 30 times, you know, what they originally paid for them. So, um, you know, big credit to Leipzig's, you know, scouting team. And, um, you know, I think if Leipzig's interested in a player, they probably have a bright future. Yeah, Nabi Kate is a great example of that. We saw him sold uh, to Liverpool for, for a hefty fee. Uh, so, I mean, that's, that's what these guys are looking at over the next couple of years. But let's give a brief overview of, you know, some, some teams in the Bundesliga for people that might want to, you know, start supporting a team in the league and follow the season and, and, you know, invest themselves in a team, if you will. Avi, do you want to start? Yeah, sure. I'll just start at the um, top of the table. So we'll start with Munich, uh, Bayern Munich. 
Uh, obviously a very storied club. They've won the, the Bundesliga, you know, seven consecutive times. Um, you know, I, I support a club, you know, I hope you don't support this one, but, you know, I understand if you do because they are winners and, um, you know, they're the richest club in Germany. They're, you know, one of the top clubs in the world, um, you know, up there with the likes of Real Madrid, Barcelona, you know, Manchester City, Liverpool. You know, I would say, you know, definitely top 10, maybe top five clubs in the world. Um, so, you know, you know, if, you, if you're going to be a Bayern fan, you know, you're going to be a winner. But there is a price to pay for that. Uh, you will probably be the subject of disdain. So. Exactly. You're going to get some stick for it. But you, you really can't go wrong with Bayern. Yeah. I don't yeah. blame anyone to pick Bayern. But. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And we're, we're only yeah, yeah. We're only going to do the, the, the top five, the five teams challenging for the title right now, just so you can you, – you, you have something to chase after. So second in the table right now is Borussia Dortmund. And like Avi said, Avi, I actually had it written down word for word. They're a factory for young talent. We've spoken about Sancho, Holland, uh, Dortmund, you know, bring in these young players, sell them for high fees. But it's the perfect place for, for these young, young players right now. Uh, over the past decade or so, Dortmund has been the main competition for Bayern, despite the fact that they seem to lose a star player every transfer window. Uh, they, over the last three seasons, they've lost Aubameyang, Dembele, Pulisic, Gundogan, Mkhitaryan, who have all been crucial to the, to the team. Uh, they've even sent players directly to Bayern Munich, their, their, their rivals, essentially, in the league. They've sent over Lewandowski, Goetze, Hummels, um, and they're still challenging for the title every season. So, you know, they're a great team to follow right now. They're probably the most likely to overthrow Bayern at the top of the table. And they're a very fun team to watch. They attack in numbers. You have Sancho, Brandt, Thorgan Hazard, Holland, Ashraf Hakimi, who's an outside back on 10 assists already this season. Axel Witzel's a machine in the midfield. And, you know, they just have some very exciting, high-scoring matches. Yeah, I mean, Dortmund, you know, them and Liverpool are two clubs I look at, and I just marvel because, you know, they are consistently doing more with less. Um, you know, their, their net spend is, is almost nothing compared to you know, the clubs that they are, you know, peers with. Um, you know, Dortmund especially, they just get, seem to get ravaged. You know, their talent just gets stripped every single season. And they just come back the next year and they say, okay, you know, we have three new wonder kids. You know, we just we signed this guy. They signed Axel Witzel from, you know, a Chinese Super League. And he's, he's back into, you know, form as, you know, one of the top, you know, holding, holding midfielders in the, in the Bundesliga and probably, you know, in, 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 in the all world. The, yeah. And um, so I, I just, I'm always in awe of, of, um, of Dortmund. If you want to, you know, read more about, you know, what Dortmund's like, um, there's this great book by um, Grant Wall, who was at Sports Illustrated. It's called uh, Masters of Modern Soccer. And he talks to, you know, Christian Pulisic when he was still at Dortmund. And he also talks to um, Michael Zork, who is the Dortmund sporting director. Um, and he just kind of talks about their philosophy and, and how they're able to develop young talents, um, you know, into becoming, you know, some of the best players in the world. So that's a fascinating book. And, and it gives some really interesting insight on how Dortmund actually works. But um, we'll go next to uh, RB Leipzig, uh, you know, briefly mentioned them before. Most hated team in Germany for a variety of reasons. Um, you know, Red Bull has, um, you know, taken them over and Salzburg over. Um, but, you know, like we said, you know, there's just so much young talent here. Ibrahim Ikonate, Dayat Upamecano. Um, you know, they have, uh, you know, up front they have uh, you know, Yusuf Poulsen. He's, you know, a little bit aging now. They have Timo Werner. 
Um, you know, just a, just a whole lot of talent there. Um, and I think, you know, part of what makes them so exciting is, um, you know, they're not afraid of the big guys. You know, I remember a couple of years ago, they just popped out of nowhere and they were, you know, challenging Byron for the title. And I was like, you know, who, who's Leipzig? And, uh, you know, they don't, they don't show any fear. Um, so, you know, Leipzig is a great team. You know, if you're looking for, you know, a young collection of talent, um, you know, just be aware, you know, if you go to Germany, you will, you will not be, uh, not be well liked there. I'm not even going to add much here. I'm going to give you reasons to support Leipzig in a few minutes after we move on past these teams. Don't worry. <laughs> um, which brings us to Borussia Mönchengladbach, who are fourth in the table on 49 points. I mean, only six behind Bayern. It's, it's, it's very doable. But regardless, uh, you know, goals are, are relatively widespread amongst their attackers. Uh, Avi mentioned earlier, Marcus Turam is one young player to keep an eye on. They did see a shock exit from the Europa League group stage this season in a group that they probably should have won. Uh, I think Istanbul came first in the group, followed by Roma. Uh, Gladbach finished third and, and thus were eliminated. Still, they play great football. They have the third strongest defense in the league. They, they like to play down the wings. They have a lot of talent. Uh, Marcus Turam, Jonas Hoffman, Patrick Herman, And one player that, that I would say it was one to watch is Briel Mbolo, who is a 23-year-old attacker who represents the Swiss national team. Uh, Mbolo emerged at Basel as a teenager and actually moved to Schalke a few seasons ago for $29 million, which was a fair fee for, for a, a teenager, for a very young player at the time. And then he moved to Mönchengladbach last summer for, for less than half of that price. He still has a lot of potential. Keep an eye on him. He has a high ceiling. He's pacey, he's powerful, he's technical, and he will improve. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll talk about Gladbach a little bit later, but uh, <laughs> one more point about Leipzig is, um, you know, I love, I love their, my favorite signing probably was Christopher Nkunku they got from, uh, from PSG, you know, for a fee of, I think, 14 million. But, you know, he's really blossomed into the player that a lot of people thought he could be. You know, he, him and Mbolo are just classic wonder kids on FIFA. Um, you know, I, I love what Nkuku's doing uh, PSG, and he, he really is a complete package, you know. He can, um, you know, he can pass it, he can score. Um, you know, he's, he's physical, you know, he can get up and down the pitch. You know, he's really the complete package, and I, I would expect him to move at some point um, to, to, to a bigger league, to a bigger team. Um, so I think that's, you know, just one to watch from, from Leipzig. But I'll move on to uh, the fifth and uh, final team here. Uh, Bayer Leverkusen, who are in uh, fifth place in the Bundesliga, um, you know they are, you know, kind of at the uh, end of that, you know, pack. There, um, you know, they're at 47 points, so they're only eight points behind Munich. You know, they probably will not end up, uh, you know, winning the league, but you know, they're definitely in in, in contention for the Champions League place. Um, but you know, with Leverkusen, they have you know Kai Havertz, obviously, but you know they have Leon Bailey, who was you know once the most prized possession probably in Bundesliga. He's fallen off a little bit, but, you know, I think he's, he's one, one to watch still and, um, you know, another great uh, young talent there. They also have Musa Diaby, who they signed from uh, PSG, I believe. Um, they also have Jonathan Ta, you know, classic uh, center back. Um, Brilliant. Yeah, I think Leverkusen here, just a little background. Um, they are sponsored by a pharmaceutical giant Bayer, so that's why they're called Bayer Leverkusen. Um, you know, they were the original, you know, plastic team, if you will. Uh, so they've gotten a, lo- a lot of criticism, but they're no longer the, the most hated team, you know, ever since Leipzig came to the Bundesliga. Um, 
but you know, Leverkusen have been you know pretty consistent recently. They've always been around the top half of the table, and um, you know, with Havertz, you know, he when, whenever he's in the team, you know, you're going to have an opportunity to wreak havoc here. So you know, Leverkusen's a great club, and um, you know, one one to watch if you're interested in uh, you know a high flying attack. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I remember a number of years ago. You know, my my favorite Leverkusen moment was Hakan Chalonglu, who struck a free kick from, you know, nearly midfield against Dortmund, and the ball had so much movement on it. If if you see it from a you know a certain angle, you just see how the goalkeeper is just stood still and doesn't know what to do. Loved that. But but Leverkusen are a side who seem to play up to the competition. They perform well against the the good teams. In all, in all honesty, and one more bit, you know, for everybody listening, active on social media, Bayer Leverkusen have the greatest Twitter account on the face of this earth. <laughs> They're absolutely hilarious. They like to interact with the fans. They like to banter rival fans. Really fun to, to, to follow. I definitely recommend watching them there. But uh, that's all I've got for Leverkusen. Yeah, I mean, one, one more, uh, one, one little correction there. Uh, I think, I think you're thinking of uh, Hakan Chanalulu's goal for for um, Hamburg. I think it was Hamburg he was playing for at the time. Oh, um, yeah, but yeah, <laughs> not to oh, man. roast you there, but um, yeah, my friend, uh, one of my friends is a big Hamburg fan, so he never, never lets me forget that that goal. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Leverkusen, uh, one to watch for sure. Um, yeah. I'll just, uh, I guess I'll go into, uh, the team I'm supporting and, you know, I, I've decided to, um, you know, support, uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach. Um, you know, I, I just really like, you know, first of all, their, their kit. I, I love the, the green and the black combination there. I think it's an incredible kit. Um, I think I'm actually going to buy that. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you, you know, they, like, you know, Jacob was talking about, they have a great collection of young talent and, um, but what I really like about, you know, Gladbach is their their coach um, you know, has has really int- implemented this you know high pressing high intensity style that you know that that put them in the top of, of the league for for a second there you know they play really attractive football like a lot of teams do in this division but you know they were just a really a breath of fresh air um, so you know that's that's kind of who I'm supporting and um, you know hopefully they they can uh, you know challenge uh, Munich again here but yeah. That's definitely mixing it up too. I think most people would not go with Munch and Gladbach, so I like it. I like the choice. Yeah, and um, interesting enough, you know, Gladbach's Twitter account basically. Uh, I think Newcastle's Twitter account were like, you know, we're going to support you. So it oh, was, that's great. I didn't even know that. So. Oh, so just coincidence you're telling me. Can't yeah, be. Can't be. be. No. Okay. <laughs> um, so for the remainder of the Bundesliga season, I am supporting RB Leipzig. And it seemed like it was too late to hop on this bandwagon. You know, two years ago seemed like the prime time with Yusuf Poulsen, Emil Forsberg, Nabi Keita headlining the squad. But it seems like there's still time, you know. Uh, I haven't watched much Bundesliga this season, but I have, you know, watched Leipzig in the Champions League. And I'll say, when I watched, they were such a joy to, to watch, uh, particularly that knockout stage against, against Spurs. They just played with so much energy, they were such, so dynamic, such a dynamic squad. So much talent on the bench, no matter how you line the squad up. I, I mentioned earlier that back line, those young Frenchmen, Upamecano, Konate, Mukiele, Klosterman as well. Uh, you have Marcel Savitzer entering his prime. Uh, and similar to Borussia Dortmund, uh, 
uh, RB Leipzig will not be the same team next year. It's almost certain that Timo Werner is going to be leaving, and he has massive shoes to fill. Uh, I, I really do hope Arsenal signs Upamecano. Uh, <laughs> but either way, this may be the last chance for at least a couple years to challenge for the title. Um, additionally, I really, really like Julian Nagelsmann, the manager of Leipzig. He's 32 years old, the youngest manager to ever win a Champions League knockout tie. He's absolutely brilliant. He's achieved incredible things so early in his managerial career. Um, he, you know, a few years ago, or he, he ended his playing career early to be an assistant at Hoffenheim a number of years ago. And he was appointed manager uh, a few years ago of a struggling Hoffenheim squad. And he basically brought them back to life and they qualified for European football very soon after he took over. And I like the style of play that he's now brought to Leipzig to this team. So I'll be watching and, and rooting for Leipzig. And I, re I really believe that if Bayern drop a few matches, which is very feasible, uh, Leipzig can do it. And they can do it just in the nick of time. Yeah, I think Nagelsmann's a, a great manager to, to watch. I think you know, he's probably going to end up you know, at Bayern eventually or in the Premier League. I know a lot of clubs are interested in him. And um, you know, Red Bull... You know, once again, they've, they've done a great job on the football side of things. You know, Nagelsmann, great manager. Also, you have Jesse Marsh, you know, at Salzburg. You know, another great young manager there. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Marco Rose for, for Gladbach is, he's implemented that, you know, high-pressing style that I really like. So I think in the Bundesliga, you have a, a great, um, you know, array of coaching talent. Um, and, and probably, you know, you know people who are, who are going to be, you know, at, at bigger clubs soon. And, um, you know, uh, just another... Another, you know, thing to watch for um, here in the league. Yeah, bright futures ahead, not only for the players, but for these managers, like you're saying. It's not too early to, to invest in these, uh, in these teams so you can say you were there from the start. Just saying. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and so uh, with that, I think let's talk about, you know, fantasy Bundesliga. Um, you know, the Bundesliga has, you know, a fantasy game that you can play in order to you know, you create a squad of, of players similar to Fantasy Premier League if you've played. You start off with a budget of around $150 million. You select a squad of players that have prices staying within the budget. And each week you set a lineup and compete against the rest of the league that you're in. And depending on how the players perform in real life, they earn a certain number of fantasy points. And so you make transfers each week. The player prices fluctuate according to the form that they're in. Uh, and so we created a league for all of you guys to join and share with your friends. So in order to join, uh, all you have to do is go to the Bundesliga Fantasy app or the official website and search in leagues for our group. The league name is Fluid Football Podcast. And then you create a team. And that's, that's it's easy as that. Keep track of it each week. We're excited to announce the top few finishers at the end of the season, which will be very soon. But the league does begin in just three days, so make sure that you join in time. And make sure that you also share with your friends so we can make the group as competitive as possible. But Avi, I'm not sure how much you've looked into player prices and whatnot. Who's one player that you think is uh, that you're going to be putting in your team? First player you're putting in your team. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go Jonathan Ta. <laughs> Jonathan Ta, classic FIFA move. Yeah, I mean... I was like the only player I knew from the Bundesliga from like three years ago. When I first played fantasy Bundesliga, I had no idea what I was doing, but Jonathan Ta for some reason was like the only player I knew. So I'm, I'm going to stick with uh, Ta, you know, be loyal to him uh, with my uh, Leverkusen guy there. 
I have a boring one. It's Holland, but if you look, his price is significantly lower than Lewandowski, uh, which I don't know what it should be. Either way, I think it's a great pick, and his price will go up throughout the season. And worst case, I'll sell him and, and make some changes to the rest of the squad. But Holland's my first player in. Yeah, I think I'd, I think I'm gonna eventually sign Holland too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you know Bundesliga app, um, you know, should be, should be really fun. So if, if you're interested in that, um, you know, fantasy. Fantasy soccer stuff is a little bit different than, you know, maybe American football if you're not familiar. Um, but I think it's, it's really interesting. And, um, you know, it's less about, you know, the draft kind of thing, but it's more about, um, you know, kind of how you set up your team and stuff. So it's, it's a little bit of a different thing. So, you know, check it out if you're interested. Uh, but, yeah, Jake, you got anything else? No, that's about it. Just make sure you join the league. Yeah, so um, thanks, everyone, for listening. And uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter uh, at FluidFootball. Food Footy Pod. Uh, you can, you know, please follow us on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you get your podcasts. And, um, you know, make sure to check out the Bundesliga starts this Saturday. Um, so, yeah, thank you for everyone for tuning in, and uh, we'll see you next time. Say, Maximus, underwing, and you got two men down just being him. They wearing Gucci, so in Gucci, because you know me, I'm drinking Tuesday.